0: My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So happy new year, happy 2020. I'm, I don't wanna say reticent to say that. The the 2021 is off to a, a little bit of an interesting start, still in the middle of the pandemic. We know the world is a little bit crazy right now. I know we're kind of hanging out here, a lot of us just um, trying to get through this still day by day, but I do feel like once come spring and summer, which is a little ways away, three to six months, that things will really turn around. And I know for a lot of us, this has probably been one of the hardest, if not the hardest year of our life 2020 was, and we still have a bit to go. But I do strongly believe that with the hard work that I know I've been doing, and I'm sure a lot of you have as well, to keep going and to be the strength for our families. But with all this hardship and with our growth through the process, that there are really good things coming out on the other end. I still have a lot of hope for this year. I think it's going to be an amazing year once we get past this. And I do feel like the end of the tunnel is coming. I know I keep saying that, but... Really, really do, and so I'm feeling hopeful, and I hope the rest of you are as well. So I have another permutation of the ever-so-popular sleep struggle question, so I'm going to get to that, but also with the new year, a lot of us have renewed and recommitted or have all new tasks and goals that we're hoping to tackle, and I covered mine in last week's episode. Over this past week, I got messages from probably about five different parents all asking basically the same type of question with their own sort of nuances to them. Um, They had different specifics, but they all were basically saying they're just feeling overwhelmed. They're not sure where to start. They all wanted the same things to feel relatively in control on top of things. They didn't want perfection, but just to have the basics under control so that they can be in a place to have the time and energy to focus on moving things forward rather than just getting through the day and hoping for a better tomorrow. Some were really struggling with bedtimes, others with tantrums, others with trying to work on some things for themselves and to get their own priorities for health on the agenda. Some wanted to help their kids develop better skills, Um, areas where they see their kids could do better, and they felt they could do more work with them. But they all wanted to know, where do I start? How do I get started? How do I break this down? Because it just can feel so overwhelming when you see all these things that you wanna do and you wanna change and you wanna move forward, and it just can feel like so much. And you know what, I have this battle. This is half the battle, just figuring out where to start and make a plan for those first steps. So I'm going to cover my process for doing that because I get it. I have a list a mile long, and when I look at the entire list, it feels so overwhelming, and I think about it, I feel so exhausted, I just want to bury my head and take a nap. So. I wanna talk about that. So there are some different approaches and I wanna cover these different approaches so some might work really well. One might work really well for some of you, the other might work better for others of you, so I wanna cover them both. One way to start is with what will have the biggest impact and list out the top two or three things that will have the most impact on getting you moving forward, getting those wheels moving. Only focus on those things or that just top priority. Get that done, get that new habit created, then move on to the next. If that feels too daunting, some people like to pick something small but impactful to feel like they're checked something off of their list. That one success then feeds them for more successes and they can then take on bigger and bigger chunks or projects for their bigger successes. So decide which approach is better for you, a big chunk that you can get out of the way and will free you up so that you can have more energy and more time for your other um, projects and habits that you wanna change, or just attacking some little things one at a time, checking them off, feeling some level of success that will fuel more successes. I'm gonna give examples and plans of attack for both of these. So let's say you wanna take on the bigger things, the bigger things will have an impact, and that you're struggling with bedtimes, power struggles, and then you have some fitness goals for yourself. Which one of these is the one that you wanna start with? For me, bedtimes are big because they take a lot of time and energy to get a child to bed at night. If it's taking an hour or more, even 45 minutes of bedtime trying to struggle to get your kid back to bed and then either staying in there until they're asleep or you're constantly putting them back to bed, that's a big chunk of time that can be spent on much more productive things or even just getting some much needed and deserved downtime, which then will give you more energy for the next day. So. Once you get bedtimes under control, you suddenly free up this 45 minutes an hour or more for some families of time and energy that it took to deal with the bedtime struggles, which left you so exhausted you had nothing left to do anything else. You had no energy left and no time left. So now you have the time, you have some energy to tackle the next thing. Now what's next? Power struggles or your fitness? Choose the next thing. Pick that thing to focus on. Let's say it's your fitness. Let's say you decide to do fitness next. You wanna keep the changes small and manageable. Now, I happen to have a membership to a website that actually creates workouts based on my upcoming races and based on my fitness level. I am very neurotic, I guess that's the word I'm looking at, a little neurotic about my exercises. And I use a watch and it reads all my data and it inputs it into the computer and then their program reads it and then it spits out like what I should be doing leading up to my race and it adjusts as I go if I um, don't do as much any workouts, or if I do all the workouts, or I'm doing the workouts, and they don't, uh, and I'm not really doing them up to par, or not pushing hard enough. Anyway, it's a whole bunch of data that they use, and they give me the workouts. That was a whole long tangent. Sorry about that. So... Anyway, th- right now, this site has me swimming three days a week, running four days a week, biking three days a week, and lifting weights twice a week. So yes, that means double workouts some days, actually triple workouts. I had one day, I had a bike ride, a swim, and weightlifting all in one day. I'm not doing that. I can't do that right now. There's no way. It's the middle of winter. I already shared this last last episode. It's cold out. It's windy. I'm not doing all of that right now. Um, I don't have two hours a day. We're in the middle of a move. My kids are schooling from home. We're just... You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't have two hours a day to work out right now. And I'm just really tired. I just need a break, a mental break and a physical break. So I'm not doing it. Um, So I've chosen to limit that. I'm trying to get to lifting weights twice a week it's one of my weaknesses, I don't like to do it, so I'm just trying to get into that habit. Lift weights twice a week and trying to do the four runs a week, that's it. No biking, no swimming. If I jump in the pool once or I hop on the bike once, great. But I am not asking that of myself at all. And then of course I'm horseback riding with my daughter once or twice a week. Now I know four runs a week and two weightlifting is a lot for a lot of people. Um, so choose what's manageable for you, a place to start that you can reasonably do, and then create that new habit. So. Start and feel accomplished and gain energy with that new habit and then slowly add in if you wanna do more after that. If you have the new schedule down, add some more in. So let's say you decide that 30 minutes of walking or jogging or hiking three times a week and two days a week of stretching and yoga is your initial starting place. And if you miss a day, you're not gonna beat yourself up about it. You're gonna just jump back in the next day and move forward. Now with each new area of change, you're gonna make room for more successes. So that's taking the big stuff chunking off the big stuff. And then obviously, you know, in this scenario, now that, you know, you're into your new habit with exercise, you're having some energy, you're feeling good. The bedtimes are good. You've got some more time at night. Now you feel like, okay, I'm ready to um, work on these power struggles because I'm going to be able to be more calm in the moment. I'm going to be able to follow the steps better. So now I'm going to work on our power struggles at home and and turn that relationship around so that we can have some more positive communication and some more um, mutual respect and help teach my kids about that. And so now we're going to move forward on to that part of it or any number of things whether it's like your kids are getting angry and getting upset whatever it is you're going to work on then you take that on next okay so I learned this great method of organizing from the seven habits of highly effective people I actually took a class but there's the book and that is you write out a list then you label each task with a letter so there's a's b's c's d's etc the a's are your most important tasks the b's the c's Moves down the list. Then you take the list of A's and you prioritize those. So you take your very first priority, A1. The next one gets A2, A3, A4, etc. Then you can do the same with the B's. Then you start with task A1. Now it turns a longer list into a pointed place to focus. So if you have a list of like 20 or 30 items, Then you've got A's, B's, C's, and D's on there, and then you break it down and you've got this list of A's, then all of a sudden you've got five tasks and you know where you're gonna start and it doesn't feel so overwhelming. And then you've got task A1 and you check it off and you move to A2, instead of getting so overwhelmed by the entire list. It keeps you moving down the list without looking at the entire thing and then feeling so overwhelmed. So I do this each morning actually with my task list for the day. I do it the night before. I set up my task list the night before and then in the morning when I wake up, I prioritize it, A1, A2, A3, B1, B2, B3, etc. Now I only do this what I think I'm gonna get done in that day. A lot of times I'll have like Two or three things left over, they end up getting pushed to the next day. I always start with the top priorities, so this way I get those out of the way, and then it really relieves my anxiety around getting things done and feeling overwhelmed. So let's just say that organizing is your thing. You're like, I wanna get organized, I feel like my house is a mess, I feel like I can't get anything done because I can't find what I need, so I wanna get organized. Okay, so you decide the kitchen, your clothing, and the laundry room are the ones that you wanna attack first. So I'm gonna say for simplicity that the kitchen is the entire A list and the clothes are your B list. Now, in reality, you could decide that organizing your underwear drawer actually usurps the junk drawer in the kitchen. That's highly likely. But just for this sample, I wanna keep it simple. So you're gonna list out all the tasks for your kitchen and your clothes. So the kitchen is all gonna be A, Clothes, it's all gonna be B, again, just for this example. So the kitchen, let's just say the junk drawer, the pantry, the utensil drawer, and your spices and dirty dishes. So there's five things there. So you decide to order them. You decide A1 is dirty dishes. You wanna get those out of the sink, get those out of the way, because they're seen. You need, cl- you need clean dishes for your next meals, so you work on that. You decide A2 is your utensils, because you wanna get those organized. Always know where those are, Have the know what drawer they're in, or know what, you know, that the ones that you use on the stove are you know sitting in the holder on this counter and everything is put away in its place. Then you go through your clothing and label what you want to do there. So maybe you decide B1 is your underwear and sock drawer and B2 is your t-shirt drawer and B3 is all the clothes on the floor in the closet. Whatever order you decide. Then you work your way through your A list. You get through your list in the kitchen and then you can start working on your B list. Now you can make a list of just for the day, which like I said is what I do or make a list that you know is gonna take you several days to a week. But you're gonna be realistic. You're like, okay, here's my list. It's gonna take me a week to get through it. I'm gonna start with my A's today. I'm gonna probably get through the first three or four, and then I'm gonna start on the the next set of A's tomorrow, work towards my B list. Whatever is realistic, what you really think you can accomplish that day, given your other responsibilities or through that week. And this is how um, I like to attack my daily tasks, I know that's a lot of ideas and tips, but hopefully it's helpful to some of you who are looking to create some change and new habits on where to get started, decide how to break it down, and where to focus first. There's a class on the website called Family Organization. I did this several years ago, and it covers all the areas of family organization that I could possibly think of, from home to schedules to schools to homework, to um, cleaning out the car, to like just literally everything you could possibly think of on getting and staying organized. So I cover ton of stuff in that class. So, so if you're looking for some really direct guidance on where to start, how to start, how to break things down, how to set up a really good family schedule, all of those things, that's all in that class on the website. Also, um, any parents with struggles like bedtimes, tantrums, power struggles, all that other stuff, children who are um, dealing with a lot of anger, 60 classes also available on the website for any parenting struggle you could want to tackle. So those are on the website at yourvillageonline.com. So Esmeralda emailed me with another sleep nighttime question. These are very popular questions. We all want our sleep and always a good thing to tackle. In this new year as a new goal is getting some good sleep because it just helps us in every other area of our life to be more patient with our parenting, to have more time and energy for ourselves, which is also extremely important. So I am gonna get to her question right after a word from our sponsors. and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back from the break, it's time to get to Esmeralda's question about nighttime weaning and co-sleeping, and she wrote, hello, I have a question. I wanted to start sleep training my five-month-old, but I don't mind her sleeping with me. Can I still sleep train her without the crib training part? She wakes about three times during the night to feed, and I heard in your podcast that she's associated this with sleeping. Can I get her out of the habit, but still have her in my bed with me? Is it best for her to sleep on her own? Help. Okay, so the first thing Um, Let's talk about co-sleeping, because co-sleeping is something that is done in a lot of cultures around the world. It is a very nice bonding practice. Um, We don't do it as much in the Western world, but as long as you feel like you can keep babies safe, it is something that a lot of pediatricians, and I believe the AAP, doesn't recommend because of of that. But you've got a five-month-old, and if this is what really works for you, and you're you know, easy to wake up or easy to rouse and, um, and it's, you feel like it's safe, co-sleeping is a wonderful thing to be able to do. But however, it is going to be difficult to sleep train and co-sleep if she's still associating feeding with falling asleep. So my first question to you, Esmeralda, is what are you doing at bedtime? Um, if you're still feeding her to sleep at bedtime, you want to work on that. Work on weaning her from feeding at bedtime. So there's a couple things you can do. You can either move it earlier into the routine and have her learn to settle down in other ways. And then, you know, we're getting into some other sleep training methods that you can do to help her fall asleep on her own at bedtime. And there's three methods available for doing that. Um, And you've probably heard, I've covered quite a bit of it in quite a few episodes. So you can probably go back and listen to anything about sleep nighttime sleep training bedtimes and um, and there's you know our mantra method there's um, like the the fading method where you slowly remove yourself from her falling to sleep so those are some options once you get bedtime under control and she's falling asleep I don't mean under control but once you're able to get her falling asleep on her own without feeding to sleep you're gonna have a lot more success in the middle of the night now the thing about babies or toddlers who are still nursing is They do smell us. When we're nursing, they can smell the milk. And so when they do rouse in the middle of the night, if they smell it, they smell because they, you know, they smell our breasts and it um, it does leak a little bit. So they are able to smell it. It is going to be a little bit more difficult. But if you want to try to do the um, nighttime sleep training and still co-sleep, certainly give it a shot. See what you can do. Okay, so the other thing you can do, let's say you get the bedtimes under control, you figure you've got her falling asleep, um, she's still waking up in the middle of the night to breastfeed some, or also this method can be used at bedtime, that you can wean her slowly off of falling asleep from needing the breast to fall asleep. So you can remove that sleep association. So what you want to do is use the fading method. So this is the fading method for getting her off of the breast. And in the class infant sleep, I actually cover this step-by-step, and I am gonna cover all the steps here, but I also have a handout for it in there. So if you decide to take the class, you have a handout, you can print it out, but it's pretty easy to remember. So here are the steps. So in the first week, you're gonna feed your baby until he or she is almost asleep, for Esmeralda, she is almost asleep. You're going to take baby off the breast right before he falls asleep. If he starts to cry, you're going to give it a few moments. See if he'll settle down. So let him fuss a little bit. See if he'll settle down. You don't want him to, like, startle wide awake again um, if you can help it. But just see if he'll settle himself back to sleep. If he'll fuss for a couple seconds and fall back to sleep. If he starts to get upset, you give the breast or for other parents who might be doing this, the bottle. Give it back, you try again, until they're almost asleep. So you're going to keep doing this. Give the breast, take it away, give the breast, take it away, until baby is able to fall asleep without the breast in his or her mouth. Okay, week two. So now you've got that down. Baby's falling asleep, getting really, really sleepy, starting to fall asleep with the breast in the in the mouth, and, and then you're taking it away, and then they're kind of falling the, those last few minutes asleep on their own. In week two, you want to feed baby until sleepy. Again, giving the breast or the bottle back only if they start to get worked up. Because now they they know how to kind of start to put themselves asleep. So we're gonna just give them, this is our, kind of our scaffolding here, we're gonna pull back a step. You're gonna start feeding again till sleepy. So week two, you're gonna feed until sleepy and you can try several times until baby's able to be sleepy and go to sleep without needing to be fed. In week three, you're gonna feed for a few minutes, just enough to comfort your baby. Let them fall asleep without the feeding though. So they're gonna get comfortable, they're gonna get cozy, and then you're going to put them down to fall asleep without the feeding. Then, I don't know if you're falling asleep with their, with your baby in the middle of the night, it doesn't matter if you are or aren't since you're co-sleeping at this point, um, for later on it might be easier if you're able to get baby to fall asleep without you in the room, but totally up to you, you can work on that later at some other time if you decide to do it that way. When you have this um, all under control at bedtime, so you've been doing this for three weeks, baby's falling asleep no problem at bedtime, then you can start doing this in the middle of the night. Just to be clear, You've already done weeks one, two, and three at bedtime. Baby's falling asleep on her own at bedtime with just a little bit of feeding right before falling asleep. Now you're working on middle of the night. So you're going to feed until almost asleep in the middle of the night. Let baby fall back to sleep without the breast walk through those process again. Week two, feed until sleepy. Week three, feed for a minute, just enough to comfort the baby and let her fall back to sleep without any further feeding. So then you're you're basically weaning her off of those middle of the night feedings and then see how she does with middle of the night wake-ups after that. So it's going to be about a six-week process for you to get to this point. If you're having still having a lot of wake-ups in the middle of the night, because again, you're there, she smells you, it's Um, then you can decide, do you want to keep doing the co-sleeping and you're okay with the the middle-of-the-night wake-ups and it's not throwing you off too much for the next day, or are you just ready to um, put her in her own room and and do it that way? Because chances are, once she's in her own room, if she doesn't wake up, rouse, and you're there, then um, she will stay asleep easier. That middle-of-the-night sleep training will be easier if she doesn't take to it with this method. But then you will be having some sleep training that you're going to have to re-implement when she's in her own room because it's a whole new sleep environment. So I hope that gives you the steps that you need that you're looking for to try to do this to keep the co-sleeping, but to do the weaning in the middle of the night to get that uh, middle of the night wake-ups minimal to disappearing for you. And then have a plan just in case for moving forward with moving her to her own room if that's what you decide you're ready to do. For more classes that may help with your parenting resolutions, such as Peaceful Parenting Part 1 and 2, Power Struggles, Raising Responsible Kids, Family Organization, Teaching Growth Mindset, Self-Esteem, Temperament, Learning about your child's development or their learning styles that you can work with them, since we're all schooling from home right now, that's a great class also. All 60 parenting classes are on the website at yourvillageonline.com. Also, don't forget, I'm putting up parenting tip videos on the YouTube channel, the Your Village YouTube channel. You can search for that and look there for the tips. Trying to get up to a week right now. Moving my way up with the new year, one of my New Year's goals as well. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Happiest of New Year's, everyone. Thanks for listening and see you next week.